0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Breachside Broadcast, home of the finest foxcasting either side of the breach. Today, we have a story of a young orphan girl and her guardian living in San Francisco just after the Powder wars. Malifaux is not kind to children, but as we shall see, neither was the other side. Today, We have the story of what happens when you push a child too far and lie a little too often. Some children know more than you think. Some become more than you can possibly imagine. I hope you enjoy this evening's story, right after this message from our sponsor. This episode of the Breach Star Broadcast is brought to you by Bertleby's Chalk Shop. We sell a wide range of chalk in a huge selection of colours, including cloud white, off white, light grey and of course chalk white. Our chalk is perfect for everything from drawing summoning runes on cave walls to creating magical patterns on floorboards for esoteric rituals all the greatest practitioners of the arcane arts use chalk from Bertleby's. You can even use it for hopscotch. And remember, if your spell goes well, you can chalk it up to Bertelbees. Falling to Fly by Justin Gibbs. San Francisco, 1890, seven years before the reopening of the breach. Sometimes it was a bloodstain or a steaming pile of innards. This time the man's bones had heated so fast that they had splintered into shards and stuck into the hard rock walls of the dank basement. Anna was on her hands and knees, pulling them out with an old pair of pliers. As grisly as this mess seemed, she was glad she didn't have to scrub anything out this time. A little change every now and then was welcome. Are you done yet, girl? Mistress called from the top of the stairs. She was an intimidating woman, with golden blonde hair and piercing blue eyes. Anna gave a slight shiver at the sound of the voice. Almost, mistress. They're stuck in pretty good this time. Well, when you're done, come on up. Supper is waiting for you at the table. She turned and went back into the main part of the house. Supper? At the table, even, Anna thought as she kept pulling. This was a new development. Since Mistress had claimed her from the orphanage two years ago, Anna had never eaten at the table. Hell, she'd hardly eaten. Her life had been grueling work, scrubbing doors, preparing rituals, carrying loads, and the occasional kick to the ribs or blow to the face when Mistress thought she hadn't worked fast enough, of course. But the past few weeks had been different. Mistress had been nice. Anna was afraid of her mistress then but this newfound good nature made her even more uneasy. Even so, a meal was a meal, and turning it down seemed even more dangerous, so Anna carefully made her way over the runes drawn on the floor and up the stairs when she was done. Mistress was waiting for her at the table with a plate of beef and potatoes. Anna eyed it suspiciously before sitting down, but her stomach got the better of her, and she was shoveling food into her mouth before she knew it. "'Still don't entirely trust me, do you, girl?' Mistress asked with a smirk. Anna eyed her over a spoonful of potatoes. "'Of course I do,' she replied automatically. "'Don't lie to me, girl.' "'No, you don't.' "'And to be honest, I haven't given you much reason to. "'I gave my word at the orphanage to be well taken care of, "'and it's high time I started doing it.' Anna said nothing. She just kept shoveling food into her mouth. The mistress carried on. We'll get you some proper clothes, not those dirty rags, and start you in school. Would you like that? To go to school with all the other children? Not particularly, Anna said around a cut of beef. Well, it's going to happen. Mistress eyed Anna curiously. You're still afraid of me. "'Haven't I been good to you on the whole? "'I got you out of that stinking orphanage. "'What could I say to win your trust?' "'Anna stopped chewing to think for a moment. "'If ever there had been a time to ask, it was now. "'Staying silent was the safe route, "'but Anna's curiosity always got the better of her. "'But those men and women... "'Well, the people in the basement.' "'Ah,' Mistress said, putting her fork down. Have you ever heard of Malifaux, Anna? Of course she had. Everyone had. But pretending to know less than she really did had spared her a lot of kicks in her time. Both because people are less likely to kick a poor dumb orphan girl and because Anna always tended to know a little too much. If Mistress found out Anna could read and had been in her library, Anna cleared her head of the horrid thought and just shook her head no. It was a city, Mistress explained. A city in another world. Almost a hundred years ago now, people found their way to it. And that's where all the soul stones we have come from. You know what soul stones are, don't you? This was a safe question. They're what you're in charge of. Very good, yes. They're what I'm in charge of. Well, people can't go to Malifaux anymore so we can't get any more soul stones. That means we need to be very careful with the ones we have. They are the greatest source of magic left. And I am responsible for recharging the stockpiles that the guild keeps here in San Francisco. Do you know how soulstones work, Anna? According to the books you'd stolen from the library, nobody really knew. Although there were many conflicting ideas. One school of thought theorized that the stone's crystalline structure was attuned to capture magical energies and could be used to release them at the proper time. The Osfordian school said that soulstones were the force behind magic, captured in physical form. Others claimed it was the work of demons, although Anna giggled when she read this. Anna realized Mistress was staring at her, so she just shrugged. Soulstones harness magic. And they can let you do great things with it. But they get used up quickly, so they need to be recharged. When a person dies near one, the stone is revitalized. And when the proper rituals are followed before the person dies, the transfer of energy is even more efficient. Because we can't ever get any more soul stones, maintaining them properly is very important. But the people, criminals, All of them, Mistress cut her off. Don't worry about them. If that man I took care of last night had gotten a hold of you in a dark alley, you wouldn't feel so bad for him. I guess, but his teeth went like popcorn. Anna saw the look in Mistress' eye and closed her mouth. Mistress brushed the hair from Anna's face. The gesture was meant to be gentle, but there was a level of calculation in it that made Anna shiver. "'What I do is necessary. "'It may seem gruesome, but those people, they deserve it. "'Now, if we're done, I have a mission in the Barbary Coast District tonight.' Anna nodded, so Mistress left to prepare as she always did. Anna catalogued her equipment in her head. Collier army pistol, boot knife, three soul stones, and the wings. "'Oh, the gleaming golden wings.' Sometimes Anna lay awake at night terrified at the thought of Mistress swooping down out of the sky and carrying people off for her rituals. But other times, Anna imagined she was the one flying, soaring through the sky without anyone holding her back, the wind in her hair, freedom. The next day, Anna started school. It was a strange notion for her, being herded around with a bunch of other children. In some ways it reminded her of the orphanage. Only the children were... happy. Well, for the most part at least. Okay, they were well fed. The school was in one of the better parts of town, and filled with the children of guild officials. They swaggered about the place with the same sense of entitlement and ownership passed down from their parents. Anna disliked most of them immediately. Luckily, the day passed quickly, and she was on her way home soon enough. Mistress lived in a mansion on one of the larger hills, overlooking the bay. Anna was still hesitant to call the place her home, but it was where she slept for now. That night, Mistress continued her pleasant attitude towards Anna, and as Anna drifted off to sleep that night, she almost began to hope that this was the way things would be from now on. A crash awoke Anna with a start. She briefly wondered if she'd really heard it, or if it had been part of a dream, but then she heard thumping and a muffled scream. There was definitely a commotion going on downstairs. She crept quietly from her small room in the attic, not sure what she was going to find. More thumping, more crashing. There was a terrifying shriek and a blinding flash. It seemed like it came from Mistress's room. Anna made her way there quickly, and peeked through the half-open door. The air smelled of thick, acrid smoke, and there was a pile of ash on the ground. There were two men in the room. They didn't look like the well-groomed guild officials who usually came to visit Mistress. These men were large and rough, unshaven and wearing thick leathers. They had Mistress's arms pinned down, and the first man had his hand clamped over her mouth. Her face was battered and bloody, and her room was in shambles. Burn to a crisp. There's no way for a man to die, the first one was saying. Fire magic, the second man snorted. They say that's her forte. Lady Executioner, the guild's personal hound. Well, are not so easy to do without any soul stones, is it? He jeered, tossing a stone up and down in his hand. The first man drew a knife from his hip. I don't care what her orders are. That's what she done to Carter, she's getting it. The second man grabbed his arm. No. The movement needs her alive. She has information. Don't worry. She'll get hers soon enough. Anna hesitated for a moment. This was her chance. She could make her escape and be away from these brutal men and her cruel mistress alike. But where would she go? And mistress had been kind to her recently, in her own way. That seemed like no way to repay her. Anna shrugged her shoulders... "'and then launched herself into the room. "'She barreled into the first man, striking him hard in the groin, "'and he doubled over in pain. "'The second man reacted more quickly than she anticipated "'and wrapped his arms around her, lifting her into the air. "'Well, well,' he chuckled. "'What do we have here? A little, lost.' "'His words were cut off as Anna's forehead slammed into his nose, "'spraying her nightgown with blood.' Nobody expects a scrawny little orphan girl to headbutt them full on in the nose, or to bite off one of their ears, or to jam her thumb into their eye, until it's not so much an eye anymore as it is an intensely painful hole in their face filled with goo. Anna had always fancied herself a bit of a scrapper. The man dropped Anna, and she scrambled over to the soul stone and tossed it to her mistress. Within an instant, there was a blinding flash, "'and the men were on their knees, held fast by ropes of searing flame. "'They twisted and turned and screamed, but it did them no good. "'Prepare the ritual. "'There are a few empties I needed to take care of anyway,' Mistress said, "'turning on her heel as if the men weren't even there. "'Anna spent the next hour helping Mistress draw the intricate lines on the floor of the basement. "'Anna always did this silently, and from sheer memorization.' But she thought that since she'd saved Mistress's life, she could hazard a few questions. How do these work, anyway? Mistress cocked an eyebrow at Anna, and then gave a shrug. All these lines direct power. Focus it. At the moment of death, if a soul stone is close enough, it will absorb the person's energy no matter what. But if the power is directed properly, there is less waste. Anna nodded. Like running water through a pipe instead of just splashing it around everywhere. Mistress smiled. Exactly. You see these lines here? She pointed to two triangles overlapping each other within a circle. Anna nodded. They harness the power. These here? She pointed to two seven-pointed stars drawn on top of each other. They focus the power and increase its force. And these lines, she pointed, tell the power where to go. The two men were still held tight by the flaming ropes. But the Wana had knocked them unconscious when they kept complaining about their imminent deaths. Anna took careful notes of all the runes. The men were right atop the runes at harnessed power. That made sense to her. It would leave them and be directed to the stones. For the first time she looked at the familiar patterns on the floor and began to read them. The men's souls, or essence, or whatever powered soul stones, would be harnessed by the runes beneath them at the moment of death channeled along the basement floor, increased in force by other runes, and then finally make its way into Mistress's soul stones. One of them woke up enough to get a handle of his situation. Girl, he sputtered, blood dribbling from his mouth. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know who she is. Anna glanced up. Mistress was across the room, concentrating on making her runes properly. Anna shrugged. She's my mistress. No. She's she's a monster. She works for the Guild. They think they have conquered the world, and they use the likes of her to enforce it. We may have lost the powder wars, but... But having a nice little chat with my pupil, are you? Mistress was looking up from her work and dusting off her hands. No matter. We're about done here anyway. She turned to Anna. Girl, get back. Anna knew what was coming next and flattened herself against the back wall. Mistress drew her collier and shot the man in the head without further comment. As the contents of his head spattered against the concrete, his body began to glow with vibrant green light. Anna could feel the heat on her face as the body began to cook with the effects of the magic. The green light flowed along the runes, growing brighter at points. Before finally settling into a pair of soul stones carefully placed atop another set of runes. After the man's friend had suffered the same fate, Mistress left Anna to clean up the mess. The next day, Anna ate breakfast at the table with Mistress. She couldn't stop thinking about what had happened the night before, but Mistress seemed unaffected. "'What were those men after, anyway? Were they here to steal your soul stones?' Mistress cocked an eyebrow as she tended to when Anna's curiosity surprised her. "'Maybe, but likely not. I only ever have a handful in my possession.' I only keep enough to recharge and then pass on to a more secure location. More likely they were here for me. Why? Is it about those things they called you? Lady Executioner? About the Guild? Yes, most likely, Mistress nodded. I've done things that a lot of people are less than happy about. You know about the Powder Wars, Anna nodded. Well, I fought in them. Most all of the powerful practitioners did, I think. And in war, well. In war, people do things that other people who weren't there like to judge them for later. I earned many names in those times. Burning Angel as I flew over the fields of Gettysburg. Lady Execution as I reigned death at Antietam. She shrugged. Just names. The point is, Anna. I killed people, a lot of people, and I still do it. She looked Anna directly in the eye. And you did all that for the guild? Anna asked, helping them conquer the world. Mistress smirked. No, I did it for myself. The guilds were simply the ones paying me, and they still are. One day, that may change. Mistress was silent for a moment. Conquered, she snorted. The world can't be conquered, but it can be bought. The next few days passed almost pleasantly. Aside from the nightly work of recharging soul stones, Anna was beginning to enjoy living with her mistress. Maybe she finally had a home, someone who cared about her, a life. Anna kept attending school, although she didn't like it. The other children were crude and arrogant, and the teachers droned on about things Anna already knew, learned during those quiet nights when she stole herself away in the library. She began sneaking out of classes and exploring the city. She went down to the wharfs and watched the fishermen bring in their catches. She prowled the alleys and side streets, learning the city like the back of her hand. Sometimes she wished she could just disappear into the foggy streets. She was afraid of going home at these times, didn't want to let Mistress know she was skipping out of school. Even so, she grew bored with the city eventually, and one day she decided to try sneaking back into the house. There was a book she'd hidden away in her room, and she wanted to finish it. As she crept past Mistress's room, she heard voices. She moved faster, hoping to make it up to the attic before she was noticed. Does the girl suspect anything? A man's voice asked. A chill went down on his spine. They couldn't be talking about her, could they? That stupid little runt? Doubtful. But being kind to her is getting tedious. It was Mistress's voice. Anna made sure she was out of sight behind the corner, and kept listening. "'Well, not much longer, and then we can complete the experiment,' the man's voice said. "'I still tell you it won't work,' Mistress replied. "'I've probably charged more soulstones than anyone else on the planet, and the person doesn't make a difference. Innocent, guilty, young, old man, woman— Everyone is the same once they're powering a spell. Well, the fellows out of Oxford have a different idea. They think the nature of a person makes a difference. It's all about potential energy. The life of a child would have more potential energy than that of an adult, and result in a more powerful stone. But the child must have some actual hope about their future. Mistress snorted. Utter nonsense. Well, perhaps. Perhaps not. Regardless, there hasn't been a new soul stone seen in this world for nearly a hundred years. You know how hard-pressed we are, and the higher-ups are willing to try anything. If we can prove it wrong, we can at least move on to something more productive. It doesn't matter much to me, Mistress replied. I just hate wasting my time. Either way, at least I'll have the little run out of my hair. You won't have any trouble dispatching a girl you've lived with for two years? Mistress let out a sharp laugh. I don't even remember her name. I've been calling her girl for so long. How much longer? Oh, another week, I think, Mistress replied. She hasn't quite gotten her back down yet. But soon enough. Very good, the man said. Now, about payment. Anna had heard enough. She tiptoed out of the house as quietly as she could and snuck back into school. The rest of the day went by like a blur. She felt numb. She had worried this whole time that Mistress's new attitude had been some sort of trick. But this, this was beyond her worst fears. Should she run? She could run, after school. Just don't go home. She could make her way down to the docks and sneak onto a ship. But Mistress's words kept ringing in her ears. I don't even remember her name. No. Anna was going back. She had always fancied herself a bit of a scrapper. At dinner, Anna tried to act her usual self, asking questions about anything that popped into her head, but she kept staring at Mistress with empty eyes. She knew she should be afraid, she knew she should be angry, but the anger had burned like a fire inside of her, until there was nothing else left. She was just an empty shell, a host to a cold, calculating rage. That night she helped Mistress prepare the ritual as usual, at least almost as usual. These lines, they direct power, she thought to herself, and these lines amplify it. There were two men tied up in the basement, thrashing around. Anna wondered briefly, as she often did, who they were and what they'd done to be caught here. Had Mistress simply plucked them off the street? Were they criminals? Did they defy the guild? Most nights she wondered these things out of a strange mixture of guilt and curiosity. But tonight... When the runes were drawn, Mistress picked one of them and drew her collier with her usual casual pragmatism. Anna braced herself against the wall, curling into a ball and covering her face with her hands. The shot rang out, and as the man died, the strange light surrounded his body and flowed along the runes. The flash was blinding, and the force of the explosion hit Anna like a boot in the head. She hadn't expected that. She didn't account for that amount of force being unleashed in the enclosed basement with nowhere else to go but into their bodies. Anna staggered from where she'd curled herself into a ball. Blood was seeping out of her nose and eyes, and there was an intense ringing in her ears. The basement spun as she tried to walk. Looking around, she realized she was the best off. Mistress was lying on the ground in a pool of blood. A low moan escaped her lips as she tried to turn herself over. The right arm of the second bound man had been blown completely off, and he didn't seem to be conscious. Anna made her way carefully over the three runes at amplified power with lines pointing out in all directions. Perhaps three had been a bit excessive. She picked up a piece of rock that had been dislodged from the wall and stood over her mistress. Well, girl, mistress said with a smile, blood filling in between her teeth. It seems you have learned a thing or two from me. My name, Anna hissed. "'Is Anna?' "'She brought the rock down on Mistress' face "'with a sickening crack. "'Celia!' "'The rock came down again, blood spraying into the air. "'Cairis!' "'One more blow, and there was nothing left "'of Mistress' face except a gory puddle. "'Anna let out a deep breath. "'The cold rage that had flowed through her left, "'and she dropped the bloody rock onto the floor. "'And then she was alone with the bound man.' She looked down at his crumpled form and he let out a low groan, letting her know that he was still alive. She hesitated. She had hoped it wouldn't come to this. Mistress had always told her these people were criminals, thieves, murderers. She didn't want to end up at the mercy of one. On the other hand, Mistress had never been much for the truth. Anna shrugged as she made up her mind and untied the man. He coughed as he began to regain consciousness. "'and Anna helped him sit up. "'Thank you,' the man said. "'What happened?' "'I botched the ritual a little bit,' Anna smirked. "'It seems my mistress died in the blast. "'Very clumsy of me.' "'The man blinked in surprise. "'Yes, indeed.' "'Well, we should both be out of here before the guild check in,' Anna said. "'Strange noises and explosions aren't too uncommon for this house.' but I know an official will be by in the morning. Agreed. Help me up. The man offered his remaining hand and Anna helped him. I owe you a debt. Perhaps one day I will be able to repay it. Don't worry about it, Anna replied. For now, let's try to both stay alive. Anna knew where the bandages were and did her best to stem the bleeding. So the man, whoever he was, wouldn't die. She had seen enough people die already. Then she went through and quickly tried to throw anything of value into a small travel sack. Soulstones, scrip, coins, medicine were all coming with her. Mistress had quite an array of weaponry. Anna took a pistol and a knife just in case. She briefly considered the flamethrower, but left it as impractical. She went through drawers and cabinets as quickly as she could. But as she opened a hidden panel, she'd seen mistress hues. A gleaming caught her eye. There was a brilliant golden pair of metal wings. you for tuning in to another episode of the Breachside Broadcast. Please join us next time for more Tales of Malifaux.